Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church today. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one of them heard speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Philophia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Gracious and heavenly Father, I pray now that you would pour your Holy Spirit through me, that these words might truly become your living word to your people. And I pray that you would open up each of our hearts and minds that we might receive that word exactly in the place that we need to hear it. For we pray this in the name of our risen and reigning Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. If you recall from last Sunday, we read from the first chapter of Acts about how Jesus had appeared to his disciples for a period of 40 days after Easter. Near the end of that time, he instructed them to remain there in Jerusalem until they received the gift of the Holy Spirit. For he said, John baptized with water, but a few days from now, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And when you receive this power, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. And so the disciples headed back into Jerusalem to the place where they were staying in order to wait as Jesus had commanded, and they were constantly in prayer together. But after a few days of this, they figured that maybe they ought to, you know, do something. We always think that prayer is not really doing something. And being the good Presbyterians that they were, they did what all Presbyterians do when they're not quite sure what to do. They formed a committee. <laughs> the purpose of this committee was to elect a replacement for Judas who had not completed his term on session. After all, 
Who would take them seriously if they kept going around calling themselves the Twelve when they were but eleven? That, and as everybody knows, God can only work with even numbers. So they cast lots and chose a disciple named Matthias. And thus, they were the Twelve once again. A few days after this, on the day of Pentecost, the disciples were all once again gathered together in the upper room, having a calm, steady, uneventful meeting of the newly formed Presbytery of Jerusalem, and they were steadily working their way through the agenda. All in favor of the amendment to the amendment to the counter motion to the revised motion of the original motion to allow alcohol in the building, please say aye. It was all being done decently and in order. Everything was under control. But then all hell broke loose. Suddenly the house was filled with the sound like the rush of a violent wind from heaven, and flaming tongues of fire appeared above them and settled down on each of their heads. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began talking in different languages. And just like that, everything was out of control. They might as well have been dancing in the aisles, speaking in tongues, and waving their hands in the air, shouting, Praise the Lord! Hallelujah! It was the Presbyterians' worst nightmare. <laughs> hey, they don't call us the frozen chosen for nothing. And perhaps this is one of the reasons that we don't give all that much attention to Pentecost. We don't do so well with chaos and with disorder and things being out of our comfort zone and out of our control. We don't do so well with fire. No, fire scares us. Ever since we were little, we were told, don't play with fire, you'll get burned. And certainly we do have good reason to be afraid of fire, don't we? I mean, fire is so destructive, so wild, so unpredictable as many of you in this church are all too aware. And certainly all of us have been watching the way the wildfires have been ravaging the western half of our country these last few years. And so when Jesus promises that we're going to receive the Holy Spirit, you know, we're not sure we wouldn't just prefer a little peace of mind or a better job or even just a raise. And after all, we remember what John the Baptist said, that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire, that his winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather up the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. You know, I don't even know what a winnowing fork is, but it doesn't sound good. And so we just want to say, hey, that sounds like a whole lot of fun and all, but my mother always warned me about playing with fire. Thanks, but no thanks. Now, I think it's no coincidence that John the Baptist's words were fulfilled on the day of Pentecost, otherwise known as the Feast of Weeks, which was a Hebrew celebration of the wheat harvest. Every year, 50 days after Passover, 
the first fruits of the wheat harvest would be gathered together and offered as a sacrifice to God. And here, on the day of Pentecost, were gathered together in the upper room the first fruits of Jesus' harvest, his disciples offering themselves to God. And as John had predicted, the time had come to burn. Now, the Bible often talks about fire and, and burning in the context of judgment, and we're all pretty familiar with that, aren't we? I mean, certainly plenty of preachers have made a living shouting about the fire of hell that burns up the chaff of unbelieving and disobedient humanity. But you know, I, I'm not sure that that's the kind of fire that worries us the most. No, I think what really makes us nervous is the fire of heaven, the flame of the Holy Spirit. For as we know, fire is so unpredictable, so wild, so destructive. And we're not really so sure that we want to let that kind of power loose in our lives. I mean, who knows where it might lead us? Who knows what it might ask us to do? Who knows what we might have to sacrifice? Who knows what might get burned? Now, I think this is one of the reasons why so many Christians have such a lukewarm commitment to God and to the church. We're afraid of, of what might happen if we jump all the way in with both feet. You know, in my former church, uh, after I had promoted a mission trip opportunity to the congregation in worship, a woman came up to me after the service and told me that, that she really wanted to go on a mission trip, but she was afraid because of how it might change her. Right. We all want to think of ourselves as faithful Christians, and yet we still want to remain in the driver's seat, to be in control of our own lives. We want our spiritual temperatures to remain nice and comfortable, not freezing, mind you, but certainly not too hot either. I mean, the last thing we want is to become one of those crazies who shout out amen in worship, right? So please, no uncontrollable spirit, no unpredictable fire. After all, we all know what might happen if you play with fire. And yet, no one who receives the gift of the Holy Spirit is exempt from this fire. For as the Apostle Paul tells us, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. And after taking up residence within us, the Spirit starts cleaning the place up, making it a more suitable place for Jesus to live and carry out his mission. So the Spirit burns away anything that gets in the way of our participation in Christ's ministry. And the truth is, we all have plenty of chaff in our lives that needs to be burned if we are going to be faithful members of his body. So gossip and greed and meanness and selfishness and clickishness and cattiness and pettiness and complaining. No, we don't do those here. 
all of it has to burn. Anything that separates us from God or from one another, anything that prevents us from being faithful witnesses for Jesus Christ becomes fuel for the Spirit's fire. And the truth is, this burning of the chaff in our lives can sometimes be a bit painful. And as a result, I think that we all have a tendency to try to dampen the fire of the Spirit, lest things become a little too uncomfortable for us. And we do this in a variety of ways. We do it certainly by not making worship and our relationship with Jesus a top priority in our lives. We do it by not spending time in that dangerous book we call Scripture. We do it by clinging to our treasures and by filling ourselves with things on TV or the internet and social media that do not produce the fruit of the Spirit within us. We do it by not going on mission trips and certainly by not praying for the power of the Holy Spirit to come. But we also do it by becoming overly focused on ourselves and by insisting on our own personal preferences for worship or mission or the decisions and direction of the church. But, and I say this as lovingly as I can, it is not about you and it's not about me. It is about Jesus Christ and what he is doing among us in the power of his spirit. This is why Paul urges the Thessalonians, do not quench the spirit. The only way for us to be the church is if the Holy Spirit is moving freely among us, transforming us more into the image of Christ, setting us on fire. But we've got to stoke it. As Paul tells Timothy, fan into flame the gift of God which is in you. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. And when the Holy Spirit starts setting fires in our midst, we'll find ourselves going places and doing things we never dreamed. When the Spirit came upon the disciples at Pentecost, they all started speaking in different languages and, and engaging with people who were very different from them. And Peter, Peter, who couldn't even a few weeks earlier stand up to a slave girl, he went out and boldly, courageously, fearlessly proclaimed the good news about Jesus to huge crowds that gathered around. And 3,000 people were baptized that day. And so the church was begun. But notice, none of this took place until the disciples stopped huddling together in the upper room worrying about themselves. As Craig Barnes writes, the church was not born until Christ came back through the Holy Spirit and confronted the church with the world around it. Pentecost is supposed to remind us that the church does not have a mission, it is a mission. It is Christ's mission for completing his work in the world. Remember, Jesus does not call us 
just for our own sakes, but for the sake of all people for whom he died. And when his spirit came upon those disciples, he blew them right out of their safe sanctuary and into the streets of the city. The disciples had started playing with fire. And the world would never be the same. I wonder, what would happen if we all started praying together for the fire of the Holy Spirit to come upon this church? What would happen if we truly opened ourselves up to what the Spirit was trying to say and do in our lives and in our congregation? And for that to happen, We've got to commit ourselves to worshiping together and, and reading God's word together and praying together for the power of the Spirit without being afraid of what changes the Spirit might bring or what we might be asked to do. We've got to turn our attention away from ourselves and onto the world around us to let the Spirit blow us right out of our safe sanctuary and into the streets of our community. We've got to start playing with fire, Presbyterians, if we're going to become the people and the church that Jesus has called us and put us on this corner to be. And it's the only way we're ever going to experience the life that we were created for. You know, what happened on that day of Pentecost may have appeared to the world as if all hell had broken loose. But what was actually set loose that day in Jerusalem was the fire of heaven, the spirit of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't it be something if independent Presbyterian church got set on fire by that spirit. The city of Birmingham wouldn't know what hit them. Oh, and I realize that, that for some Presbyterians, that this might sound like their worst nightmare. But it would be this Presbyterian's greatest dream. May it be so. Amen.